0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pellett, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland.
1: Return to cinder. Address unknown. No such number, no such zone.
0: So today you're not phoning it in, you're mailing it in.
1: That's right. I have <laughs> taken a step back. I'm going even, I'm putting in even less effort than normal.
0: Ah, uh, great. That that will leave me to do my normal job of going, uh-huh, with a whole lot of silence around it.
1: Well, it'll be a nice change. <laughs> we actually have a request that came in through Twitter. So here's our tweet request from Luke. How did the Epsilon email hack work? Well, Luke, we're going to break it down for you. Um, now, first, before we talk about how it worked, I guess we need to talk about what happened, right? Yes. So I can talk about this from a personal standpoint because I was one of the people affected.
0: I can talk about this from five personal standpoints. Yeah, if
1: I talk about it with my wife uh, in mind, I, I think I... Probably close to the same number. I only received one email, but uh, she apparently received several, and you received five, right? Right. So, so uh, okay, 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 okay. So, okay. when
0: when you're signing up for an account with a service, yes. a notification service, or you're buying something from someone, yeah, and so, somebody somebody that that you know, somebody that you trust. Uh, and you go and you, you see the little thing where it says by accepting that by clicking this box, you agree to the terms of service and the privacy policy. And sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't click on the the links for those things and read through them. Uh, there's this one little piece of language you probably have seen if you've actually gone to look at those. And that's that part where it says, I agree to, uh, have my data shared with our trusted business partners and uh and basically for the for the purpose of delivering services to you so if yeah if you let's let's say you've 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 decided to sign up for your uh local grocery stores rewards program, yes, and uh because you know you can get uh you know twenty cents off this and fifty cents off that when you show your card, and lots and lots of people do it um some people don't because they feel like it's an invasion of privacy, well, you know maybe it is maybe it isn't in this case it is, but yeah, but we'll Turns get Turns out in they a were right but the- so so what happens is you signed up for this deal. You get the little card to put on your, your little key fob to put on your your keychain so that they can scan it. And then what happens on the other side is the company says, "Well, you know what? This is a lot of work maintaining this giant database of people who are our beloved customers. And, and you know, of course, and, they are because they're spending
1: money with them. And we have, you know, our our business is not the maintaining of a database. Our business is blah blah blah.
0: Absolutely. And if you're doing blah blah blah. You, you want somebody and, and you need somebody you trust that literally they are a trusted business partner. You want to find somebody who can maintain that. Yes. And so what's going on here is they say, well, okay, hey, you guys over here, can you manage our, uh, marketing database for us? Send out the, the weekly flyer for us, you know, for the people who want that, uh, you know, keep track of the rewards right. points. Uh, that they've earned when they shop with us. Can you do that? And they say, "Oh, absolutely, you can trust
1: us." Yes, and and the whole point here is again, the company the in question is trying to. Let's just say that it's a for for the basis of this discussion. Let's say it's a retailer. So okay. we're saying this is a major retailer of of consumer products, and that the major retailer, you know, their concentration is keeping inventory, selling products, moving them, moving them, marketing. You know, <clears throat> they've got a lot of of demands on the their attention. So it makes sense to to outsource this database management to another company and then the the retailer can concentrate its uh, full focus on conducting business.
0: What could possibly go wrong with this situation? So
1: let's say that you are the company that maintains databases. Okay. All right. So your customers are these major major corporations and financial institutions because some of these are banks. You know, there's some banks that, that and credit unions that uh, use this sort of stuff. Then there's you know retailers, there's grocery stores, there's all sorts of uh, companies. There's travel companies, uh, travel agencies, that kind of thing. Um, so you have all these databases. Well, that means that you are also a beautiful target for people who want to get as much information about as many people in one strike as possible.
0: That's right. If you're one of these companies, uh, trust – Is, and, and the, uh, customer confidence for your customers is of paramount importance. Yes. You, this is when you go and you, you're, you're trying to get a new client and you go to this big, big company and you put down the portfolio of all the other companies that you're helping and go, look at all the people who trust us. You should trust us to do business with us and we will totally manage this affiliate marketing program you've got going.
1: Right. So then what happens if say someone is able to infiltrate that system and steal information? Well, then you've got a breach of trust and you have the potential to lose a lot of clients really quickly because you have demonstrated that you did you were not as secure as uh you had uh, uh made out to be because ultimately this is going to affect the customers of your customers, right? So if you're the big exactly. database company, your customers are these giant companies like like these retailers and and financial institutions. Their customers are all angry because their information has been stolen by a hacker. Now, your your average customer is probably going to blame the retailer or the financial institution. They're not you know they're not looking beyond that because they get an email from, uh, you know, re- major retailer number one, and the email says, "Hey, guess what? Uh, turns out." A uh, system was hacked, and your name and email address have been compromised. So someone has that information now. Uh, in a co- of course, it could be a lot worse. It could have more of your personal identification information there, like, say, a social security number or birth date or credit card information, that kind of thing. Uh, but name and email are bad enough as it is, and we'll get into why it's bad a little bit later in the podcast. Well, you're likely to blame if you're the victim of this. So the, the person, the customer who's a victim of this is likely to blame the actual retailer or financial institution. Um, that's why a lot of this information, like a lot of these companies have said, no, 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 it's not our fault. It's this this company that we trusted to hold all this information for us. They're the ones who slipped up. And uh, it's interesting how they slipped up. You know, Ultimately, we're supposed to answer the question, how did this hack work? It worked on a very basic, simple level. Let's talk about a little bit about how hackers get into systems.
0: Right. Well, you know, I, I've I've seen war games. Yeah. You know, I, I know that all you have to do is you know dial up a machine and and you know type in some type stuff in some until stuff it works. until it works.
1: There, that is a way of doing it. Uh, it is called the brute force method. It's when you are trying to brute force a system by just se- going through a sequence of passwords until one of them works. Not terribly efficient takes a lot of time. Uh, a lot of systems protect against it by uh, having a shut off. So if you try to access it a certain number of times with an incorrect uh, password, you get back a message saying, you've attempted to ac- access this unsuccessfully too many times. Uh, it, it, access to this account has been shut down for 15 minutes and you are not able to try and log in again until 15 minutes later. That makes that attack even less efficient, right? Because now now you're going to have 15-minute breaks between every five attempts you try to get in.
0: Right. And then there are some companies that completely lock you out. You know, know, three tries, you've exceeded your limit, you're going to have to call somebody to get your password reset. Yes, yes. Um, That's more of a consumer thing, I would say, rather than the other. But I mean- you know that that kind of technique is likely to cut down on the efficiency and and ability of hackers to to make their way into a system using a brute force method
1: yeah, and you've probably seen movies where people have uh sat down at a computer and either they're running some weird decrypt uh, decrypt program, which is making the letters of the password appear one by one or they're typing in some sequence of numbers or or words or whatever, and they they magically get in. The truth is that about
0: 10 minutes or less. Yeah.
1: The truth is, first of all, if you do use that method, it takes a long time. And and second, there are way easier ways of hacking into a system. And it mainly deals with social engineering. In fact, I would argue that most of the really successful hackers are masters at social engineering.
0: That's I I, I would agree with you. So social principle there.
1: Social engineering is manipulating people not machines you are you are targeting the user you're not targeting the the system because people are easily manipulatable uh, man, manip, manipulate manipulate you can make people do stuff easily <laughs> yeah it, um
0: i think it's sort of funny because when we mention mac viruses uh we get a lot of people who say there are no mac viruses well most of the mac viruses that are out there require you to download a disk image double yeah. click on the disk image and make create a disk install the program go through the prompt where it says are you sure you want to install the program please enter your password
1: yeah there are yeah, a lot of layers require, of protection there,
0: yes, but what it takes to overcome that is social engineering, and that's true for any operating system that has a virus or something like that um in that style that a lot of these require an element of convincing uh uh the person to install the virus or the key logger right and, you know in this case if you're trying to break into a system, you might use a key logger, which is. Uh, basically recording every time every key you press on the keyboard, right? In an attempt to discover logins and passwords. Yes. Um. And so, if you want to install a trojan, if you want to install a keylogger or something like that, in a lot of cases, you have to fool the end user into believing that that software is safe enough to install on there. So you have to say, oh well, you know, it's just uh, you know, little. RSS feed reader it's just an uh, antivirus you wait hey we discovered a virus on your your computer you really need to d- download and install this free software
1: right and then you click on and it actually turns out to be malware although it's it's masked as antivirus software
0: right they they have to hide that's the other part of this is once it's on there you can't Discover it and go. Oh no! Look, I installed something terrible on my system. I need to run my antivirus software. It's got to go. No, no. I'm still honestly just this little program. I'm fine.
1: Yeah. So so social engineering can take many different forms. Like it can be as simple as walking through the front door of a company and chatting up a receptionist and just getting enough information where it gives you a guideline as to what could be a password into the system using you know the receptionist's information. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's totally possible. You could end up identifying someone who works for a company and then uh, uh, coincidentally meet up with this person in a bar just by you know following them and going into a bar and plying them with drinks and slowly getting information out that way. There are a lot of different ways of doing it. Now, the way that this one worked was very much what Chris was saying. It was a an email that came through that lured people who worked for epsilon epsilon's the company that's that database manager that we've that, been talking about that's
0: the uh, trusted business partner
1: yes that's the company that that was handling all these databases for for hundreds of clients and this affected millions of of uh, the final customers which you know people like me and chris um so it was a it was an email that was a phishing scam and uh, it it what it did was they it was targeting epsilon employees in particular and one of the scary things is that this was a known problem. Oh, yes. This was something that uh, ReturnPath, which is a, a company that uh, is used for services like tracking email delivery. it ReturnPath had an alert go out on November 24th of 2010 uh, about phishing attacks that were aimed specifically at companies like Epsilon that manage these huge databases. And essentially that alert was, hey, we're – tracking a lot more phishing attempts for people who work for these companies, and we're guessing that the reason for this is they're trying to get their hands on customer information like emails and names.
0: Um, just as an aside, so that that people know, um, when we talk about phishing, we're talking about the pH phishing, Yes, which is uh, this is a type of social engineering that doesn't necessarily involve software in your computer. In general, a phishing attack is, uh, if you've ever seen some account, an email saying that your your account has been compromised and you need to uh, send in your username and password and you realize, hey, I've never had an account at that bank. Um, and wait if I if I click on this link, it takes me to some other completely different URL. This is a social engineering technique saying, you know we need all the information you're willing to supply us. please fill it out. We don't and, and when you look at the URL and it's not the same URL as the company that you're doing business with, they don't have access to that information. So they try to create a website that looks just like the one that your bank uses or yeah. your other account holder uses or account provider uses yeah. and lure you or fool you into giving away your username, your password, any other social security
1: number, social security number birthday, any other information that card. you're
0: willing to give because that those types of data are the kinds of things that people can use to uh, falsify records yeah. and steal your identity. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they, when we talk about phishing, that's in a broad sense. They're, they're trying to get important information from you by fooling you into just giving it up on your own.
1: Yeah. There, and there are different techniques for that as well. Like if you get, you could get a phishing attack where it's like Chris was saying, it's from a bank that you don't even use. Those are easy to spot. Yeah, you, I have no idea what you're talking. That's about. like a shotgun approach. I get these all the time for Blizzard, World of Warcraft uh, um, accounts. Oh, that's funny. And I, I don't play. He's not funny. But. I, I don't play World of Warcraft, but apparently this is a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. I got an email that said that my account. For uh, Blizzard had been compromised, and I thought, "Huh, that's a heck of a thing." I don't have an account with Blizzard. I wonder how that happened. And uh, and then I talked to uh, Tracy Wilson, who is not only uh, head of our editorial department here, she's also a former uh, World of Warcraft, let's say enthusiast. And okay. uh, and she said, "Yeah, that's a thing. There's there's this spam attack. It's a phishing attack to try and get information from people." Uh, And now I notice if I look through my junk mail, I tend to get, you know, my junk mail ends up filtering it all out, but I tend to get a few of those each week now. Well, that's kind of like the shotgun approach to phishing, but there's a a more directed approach where if the attacker has just enough information about you to kind of tailor the phishing attack to be more likely to get a hit, we call that spear phishing.
0: As much as I dislike phishing, I like that term.
1: Yeah, so spear phishing is where you have identified a particular vulnerability and you're going right for it. Well, in this case, these these phishing attacks that were directed toward Epsilon employees directed the employees to a website where that that contained a link that uh downloaded and auto-ran some uh malware onto the victims' computers. So, that malware uh did several things. One, it turned off the antivirus software on the user's computer so now your your detective on your machine has gone to sleep. Right. There was a Trojan keylogger called iStealer, also used on that, which is specifically designed to help a hacker steal passwords. And then there was another tool called CyberGate, which is used to gain remote control of a system once it's been compromised. So you know, you guys have heard us talk about hackers doing this with botnets before. That's that's exactly what this one was. It's just it had a very specific target. So once a couple of employees fell victim to this, despite the fact that there had been a warning in November of 2010, uh, and there's still conjecture over whether or not Epsilon employees ever knew about the alert. I mean, we don't know the information. Epsilon's not been terribly chatty about it uh, as of the recording of this podcast, but um, Anyway, the, the the system was compromised, and hackers were able to access those databases with all those names and email addresses, including Chris's and mine and my wife's. And, uh, and my wife's. Uh, there we go. So we got four people just out of uh, – connected to this podcast who were affected. Um, they got all that information, and well, now the question is what can you do with that? If you only have email addresses and names – that's uh, they're claiming. Uh, yeah, which is so far that's what they're claiming. Everyone should probably keep an eye on their finances just in case. If there's anything hinky going on, you can act on it immediately because there's always the chance that maybe more information was stolen than we are led to believe. Right now I'm going to take them at their word and say, all right, it's just the names and email addresses. Well,
0: it's not in their best interest to lie at this point.
1: No, it would just get them in even – if the information's out there, there's no way they're getting it back. Right? right. So if it if it was a problem, the the responsible thing to do is go ahead and say, look, this was a catastrophic failure and we need to react because the longer we wait, the more damage will be done. Uh So I'm 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 imagining that they're being they're that they're at least telling the truth as far as they understand it. Right. right. If more information was stolen, they are not aware of it. So names and email addresses. Well, the, one of the problems that could come out of this is more spear phishing attacks. But now, instead of attacking the Epsilon to get its database, it's going to be attacking the ultimate consumer, like me and Chris and my wife and Chris's wife. Um, we will be the targets for these attacks. And it'll be spear phishing because since they pulled this information out of the Epsilon's database, they're going to see which companies we had uh, created accounts with.
0: Yes, and this is also going to be tricky for spam filters to pick up on, because yeah. one of the things they that spam filters traditionally look for is whether or not it seems to be personalized to you. I mean, yeah. now that that spam filters are as sophisticated as they are, and of course, we all know that even the best still let a few slip through on occasion, um, in, at least in a lot of cases, uh, you'll you're going to see. You're going to have to be careful when you receive email, especially from companies that you know their information was compromised by Epsilon. Now, again, I've got five to look at. Um, You can sort of keep an eye on that, and it's always a good idea to be a little skeptical, especially if they're asking for information. Now, a lot of companies have gotten really good about reminding people of this. Um, you know they say remember we will never ask you for your social security number. Don't give your your social security number over email. Right. Don't, you know, if you have any questions, please call our customer service line.
1: Yeah, don't fill out information in an email. And, ever.
0: Right. Exactly. That's the other thing. Email isn't isn't in general secure. Right. So you you wouldn't want to send a friend, somebody that you trust, you wouldn't want to send a friend your social security number over email that's a bad idea, yeah, um that's why I just tattoo
1: it on the bottom of their feet, so you should also not be Jonathan's friend, yes, yeah, it's a painful experience, well, <laughs> believe me, um, I hate that screaming, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also again, be
0: very careful looking at the and, and look at the URLs that they're asking you to click on, yeah, if it doesn't look like something related to the company, don't do it. If you have any question at all, I mean, if you have that pause and you go, eh, now it's probably okay, don't have that pause.
1: Right, yeah. No, just, Get in
0: contact with them. Say, are you really, you know, I, you know, look at the number that you know is actually the number for that company and say, hey, I've got this email from somebody wanna, that says it's you. to this verify
1: is, this is a real message. Do you
0: really want this information from me? Yeah. And, you know, if, if they give you an email or a phone number in that email, I wouldn't trust that
1: either. Yeah, most of these companies... These companies should all have the information they need already from you. They they exactly. should not be asking for it again. If they are asking for it again, that's indicative of one of two things. Either you're getting a phishing email and someone is trying to get your information so that they can, they can uh, take advantage of you. Or the company that is doing your business shouldn't be doing your business because they have been uh, uh, irresponsible managing your data. So either way, it's either way. The answer is do not give your data over email. Um, and, and another thing to look for is in the URL. Uh, look for HTTPS if yes. it's a secure system, and look yes. for that little lock symbol. That's an indication that it's a trustworthy source. Again, this is just one factor to look. Don't don't just assume that if it's up there, that means you're safe. Look for that. Also look at the URL. Make sure the URL makes sense. Um, and What I recommend is if you want, if, if you get an email from a a company and you think this may very well be a legitimate email, navigate to that company's website directly. Don't click on links in your email. Right. Don't, um, you know, don't copy and paste it from email into your URL because it's the same thing as clicking on a link, really. Go to your browser, type in that company's web address or go through Google and, and type, you know, use the, 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 actual verified website to get to where you need to go and then try to navigate to where that that uh, email would indicate you need to go in order to complete whatever the transaction is. Right, And that way, if you're going through the official channel, you are less likely to fall victim to a scam. Uh, and we just have to kind of resolve that we'll do that and resign ourselves to the fact that, uh, at least for those affected by this... We're going to probably see an uptick in spam email over the next forever until we change email addresses. Yeah, that's
0: true. Um, There's an old saying that says – it's not really a saying, but people tell you to watch out for – when you see those emails that that say, hey, we just found this out, forward it to all your friends. Forward it to all your friends is usually a flag that it's a, a hoax. And the, I mean, not, we're not talking about phishing or any of that stuff now. I mean, or even even malware. Just the stuff that you know. The uh, hey, this big company is is actually uh, uh, you know shipping kittens to people.
1: Microsoft has this email tracker, and if yeah. you send this email forward, you will get a package of M and M's or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It's stuff just like ridiculous.
0: That. Anything that says forward it to all your friends. That's a, that's a flag. Well, here's a flag for you too. Um, in the five email is, Emails that I got from these companies that said my address had been compromised. None of them said we need new information from you. Yeah. So if somebody says your account has been compromised, send us new information. Here, we'll send you a link. That's a huge clue right there. I, I'll go out on the limb and say that's that's a really big. It's not a very big limb. Um, it's you a, know, that's it's a, a big, big indicator flag. Yeah, it's definitely something is wrong.
1: Yeah, something is hinky. That's not not on the up and up.
0: So you, you you know, you can use that without even having to click on anything. Just think of that and say, okay, well, Jonathan and Chris told me, you know, that if somebody's asking for information when they tell me that my account's compromised or they need me to update my account information on file, that's uh, that's a time to, to question this and think yes. critically and not yes. Be do it skeptic. without being yeah. So please.
1: And and here's the interesting thing is that probably as a result of this I've seen this in a few reports as a result of this we're probably going to see security firms recommending that companies use more of their uh, uh anti-intrusion software and hacker protection software. Yes. But ultimately that's not going to help at all for this kind of problem
0: because this is a people problem. Yes, this
1: is a this is a a person not a computer error. It's a person making an error in judgment. So even even if you put the most sophisticated security system in place, if you have people who are not practicing good security measures, that's an insecure system. Like, it's just like if you you know – let's say that you've got a bank, right? you got this bank and you've got all these sophisticated locks on that front door and you've got a laser system that goes across the floor at night. And you've, the, the, you've got pressure-sensitive tiles all along the front and then you leave the back door open. The, the the whole, all those systems in the front aren't going to matter at all because someone just walks through the back door because they, you know, were chatting up the security guard and, uh, you know, maybe the security guard went back for a smoke and they just put a little wedge over there so it kept the door open and then they're in there and they're stealing all your
0: stuff. Everyone knows you can beat those laser systems by doing cartwheels and, you know, sort of doing that weird dance over them and walking on your fingertips. And
1: yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Right? I, that's that easy. That's what I tried to do. It didn't, it didn't work out so well for me, but that's, you know, that was 20 pounds ago so it's
0: sort of like the brute force attack it doesn't quite work
1: like yeah that. so what really needs to happen is not necessarily – i mean yes better security measures are good yes. right i'm not i'm not saying that companies shouldn't invest in that they definitely should but what they really also need to look at is educating the people who work for that company mm-hmm. about these attacks and how to spot them and how to avoid them because you know, it's, that's where the weak spot is. It's not the technology, it's the people. And if the people are unaware of how these attacks can happen, uh, then we're going to see this happen again and again and again. Especially I mean, if you're a clever enough hacker, you, you do have a reward at the end of that phishing scam so that the person who has gone through and, and downloaded the malware does not immediately say, huh, I wonder if that was actually a bad thing I just did. You know, if you have something there so that it feels like, oh, no, what what it was asking me to do, I actually did and I accomplished something. If you have that reward in place as a hacker, you're more likely to remain undetected. Now, granted, there's also the pressure that a person feels when they do something stupid to hide it immediately and not let anyone know about it because you don't want to be the one to admit, hey, I just compromised our system. We need to be on the lookout. I wouldn't want to be that person. I would not want to be that person either. But ultimately, it's better to be that person and say it than to not say anything. And then you're talking about the potential of billions of dollars of revenue going up in smoke. Maybe maybe even an incalculable amount of money going up in smoke because you don't know what the ultimate fallout is going to be from that mistake. Yeah, I, I – um Yeah. <laughs> That's to jerical, specu- isn't
0: it? I was going to speculate, and I I just don't
1: think. Well, I think of it that. this way: you got five emails. Yes, that's a lot of emails.
0: And, and looking at a, a list, and this was not a comprehensive list that that I saw online. A lot of companies trusted, Epsilon to keep that information private. So,
1: and, and I hear that it affected, a very tiny percentage of Epsilon's customers. But mm-hmm. then, when you think Epsilon's customers aren't people like you and me. Epsilon's customers are corporations that in turn have access to potentially millions of people's email and identity. Uh, That 2% is still a big, big number in terms of actual living human beings.
0: I I once left a cell phone provider because everyone else that I knew had bad customer service from them. And I hadn't yet, but I was just waiting for it. So I decided to go ahead and and jump ship. Yeah. And that may very well happen with people who are – not affected.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, of course, this could also usher us into the dark ages of abandoning the internet for commerce and going back to brick and mortar stores.
0: I cannot imagine that happening. Yeah,
1: it's not going to happen to me. <laughs> no, it's way too convenient. I, no, I, I, I don't have to deal with people it's uh and they send stuff to me in pretty packages it's like getting a present because you get to open the box and you wonder what's inside it because you forgot because you were uh you were impulse shopping and it was 3 weeks ago it's awesome i have a problem uh Okay. All right. Let's wrap this up, guys. If you have anything that you want to add to this discussion about the Epsilon email hack or perhaps you, too, were affected and you want to maybe uh, express your concern or if you have any other questions for us, especially if it's something about computer security and what you can do to be more secure, let us know, because these are important topics that I think everyone needs to think about uh, to some extent. And, you know, even even people who limit their online activity as much as possible need to be aware of it. So uh, send us a message. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or you can shoot us an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage.